0: Greetings, fellow traveler on this rock tumbling through space. I'm Fred. This is my front porch. Come on up, have a seat, and let's talk a while. There are ideas to be discussed on this old set of nicely nailed together boards. Work and a living wage. The life of man in this world is, for the most part, a life of work. Every man worth calling a man should be willing and able to work. How can one be idle when others are busy? How maintain social respect, honor? and responsibility. Work is the best of all educators, for it forces men into contact with others and with things as they really are. If we consult biography, it will be found that the worthiest men have been the most industrious in their callings. Labor is the price set upon everything valuable. Nothing can be accomplished without it. Samuel Smiles, Life and Labor, 1887. And Brutus is an honorable man. Mark Anthony, 44 B.C. In the United States in 2020, there is a prevalent attitude that everyone should be required to work. Simply enjoying life is inexcusable. The idea is that if I had to work hard to survive, everyone should have to. Laziness is also sinful. I know because in about 600 AD, Pope Gregory I said sloth was in the top seven deadly sins. If you're out of work because of the pandemic, I've heard. You need to go and find other work. You have no right to sit at home and collect unemployment and stimulus checks. Another argument in favor of hard work is that society will break down without people working. If everyone just sits around watching TV or more likely Netflix or something of that sort, how will we ever do anything? Someone has to work. Finally, I'm told no one owes anyone anything. There is a blank piece of paper shown on Facebook frequently that depicts what the person posting it evidently believes anyone owes you. It's terribly clever, albeit not terribly persuasive. I'm going to address each of these arguments, and then I'm going to recommend that we pay a living wage to anyone who works full-time. You're welcome to disagree with me, but at least listen to my arguments before you do. Is sloth a sin? There may have been good reason for Pope Gregory to suggest that sloth is sinful from his interpretation of scriptures. And certainly, in the culture in which he was living, it was essential that everyone work hard. One's survival was often dependent on one's ability to grow food and create the homes in which they lived. There was no time to dawdle. The Roman Empire had fallen and trade was all but destroyed because roads were no longer safe. Lying around reading, for those few who could, or watching a sunset, were recipes for disaster. Sloth was, from that point of view, sinful. In Poor Richard's Almanac, Ben Franklin told us, quote, Sin is not hurtful because it is forbidden, but it is forbidden because it is hurtful. Sloth was hurtful in 600 A.D. It fit Franklin's definition. Is that still true? most of us now have at least some leisure time it's why i can record this i hope someday to make enough from this show to provide me a living but that's not where i am yet this has to be considered my leisure time it's what enables you to listen to it so is it sinful that we're not quote working right now i don't have a field to cultivate i can go to the grocery store to get my food so can you we don't need to grow our own food to survive that's a significant advancement we're better off than we were 1420 years ago isn't that what all parents want for their children we produce more than enough food to feed the world now that can be shown over and over in a brief Google search here are some facts I gathered from my search. I picked worldhunger.org, because they had plenty of data. You're welcome to check yourself. The link is included in the show notes. The world produces enough food to feed everyone. For the world as a whole, per capita caloric availability and food diversity the variety of food groups in a diet, have increased between the 1960s and 2011, FAO 2017. This growth in food availability, along with improved access to food, helped reduce the percentage of chronically undernourished people in lower middle income countries from about 30% in the 1990 to 1992 count to about 13% two decades later, FAO 2017. A principal problem is that many people in the world still do not have sufficient income to purchase or land to grow enough food or access nutritious It's not that we don't have the resources. It's that people don't have the money. And that's because they don't work hard enough, right? I think you already know that's not true. If it were, the little girl pictured in the episode artwork would be among the wealthiest people on the planet. But for those who can't see it on your app, she's carrying a load of some sort of harvested plant on her head as she walks down a dirt road. The picture tells a story of nearly endless hard work. We all know plenty of folks who work 40 or more hours per week, but still can't feed themselves or their families. And we also know people who hardly work at all, but have obscene amounts of wealth. Congressmen and women, for example, who have very great power over all of our lives, work 138 days a year. They have 227 days off every year. They make a low average of $175,000 a year. That's well more than $1,000 a day. I don't know anyone who makes that kind of money. But of course, it's because the people i know didn't work hard enough to better themselves they should go get a degree so they can get better jobs you know they could be teachers or something i did that i have many friends who did that none of us ever made a thousand dollars a day there were times my monthly pay was little more than that today it rarely gets to that figure But hang on, isn't the argument that we need to be working harder? That doesn't seem to follow, does it? Those who work less make more, in many cases. So, can we dispense with the argument, please, that failing to work hard enough means a person doesn't deserve a decent living? If you really believed that, you would have to accept the conclusion that follows from it. A person working 40 hours a week deserves a decent living. It's about hard work, right? So, they're working hard. They should be able to afford the basics. If you don't buy into that, it's not because you believe in hard work. It's because you believe in capitalism. A person's work is worth what the market will bear. That's a different argument. We'll engage that presently. Will society really fail to function if no one ever works? Yes, I suppose it would. We need someone to grow our food. We need someone to ship it to us. We need someone to sell it to us. This is true of all commodities. We need people to work. But we've already established that we don't need everyone to work themselves to death we are now capable of doing what they call working smarter, not harder. Hard work guarantees nothing in a capitalistic society. But let's remember the words of George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life. He's explaining why Bedford Falls needs a savings and loan. The evil Mr. Potter wants to get rid of his bank's last competition. Bailey's father's savings and loan because otherwise we'll have what he calls a discontented lazy rabble instead of a thrifty working class this rabble you're talking about they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community well is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath This is the function of minimum wage. Since our world no longer requires all of us to work so hard that we can't enjoy the moments of our lives, it seems to me we would be remiss if we didn't avail ourselves of the opportunity. When you spend a dollar, you can go to work and make another one. When you spend a minute, there is nothing you can ever do to get it back even if you're Jeff Bezos or Richard Corey. You get each one exactly one time. You may have millions of them left, or you may have only one more, but they're irreplaceable. You sacrifice some minutes in exchange for improving other minutes. Make those leisure moments worth the lousy ones. I'm told that minimum wage isn't intended for people to make a living. It's meant for teenagers who still live at home so they can have some spending money. In other words, we don't need to pay people a living wage just because they work full-time. They need to do more to deserve that. First, that argument is factually incorrect. FDR in his statement on the National Industrial Recovery Act, which became the basis of the minimum wage, told us, no business which depends for existence on paying less than living wages to its workers has any right to continue in this country. And just to be sure there was no misunderstanding, he defined his term. By living wages, I mean more than a bare subsistence level. I mean the wages of a decent living. If you want to use capitalism to defend the fact that there are those struggling, even to survive, while at the same time, others have more than they could spend in 50 lifetimes, then let's see what capitalism really is. The basic dictionary definition is, quote, an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by a state, unquote. That doesn't shed a whole lot of useful light on the issue. I would want to go farther and say that it is based on what markets will bear If someone produces goods or provides services that are highly valued at the best price and at a higher quality than one's competitors, someone will profit. The rest is good business sense. The most conservative estimates put small business failures in the first year at 20%. 30% fail in the second year, half, are closed within five years. The link is in the show notes. Capitalism offers no guarantees for business owners. It's the competition within capitalism that is often touted as its greatest asset. If a business fails, it's because someone else is doing the same thing better and or more cheaply, or simply because the goods and services they provide are not in demand. If a person can't make a living, it's for the same reasons. Thus, I make too little on this show, on which I work at least 60 hours a week, for me to live. If I had no roommates, or if my landlord weren't my best friend's boyfriend, I would certainly be homeless by now. I'm hoping for disability in December to save me from searching for the nicest available dumpster into which I could move why is it unreasonable to require business owners to pay a living wage to their employees if a business can't afford to do that the business is not yet successful enough to afford employees they have to do it themselves a while longer they'll have to work hard and be patient i would love to have a marketing director for the front porch podcast but since there's no way i could pay one I'll just have to do it myself. Sadly, I suck at it. I'm advised I should ask people to share my show, so I'm asking. Share this episode. What an amazing marketer I am. I'll make this as quick as I can. I'm asking for your help. On January 15, 2021... My roommates are moving out, and there's simply no way I can survive on my own. I have a disability hearing on December 8, 2020, and if that works out, I might be able to rent a place to live. But without that, it's basically over. I will not make enough to exist. I've been doing this show for a little over a year now, and I'm getting better at it, as I hope you can observe for yourself. I'm asking you to support the arts in general and, specifically, me. For what it's worth, I'm supporting the arts as well as I can. I donate my writing and my voice acting to friends who have gathered from all over the country, and coming soon, Australia, to make something beautiful. We've created Stargazer Virtual Community Theater for anyone who wants to be an actor, or an artist, or a sound designer, or a Foley collector, or, well, Anything else can come and work with us. It's a beautiful place. We'll have our second play ready for you right around Thanksgiving. If you join me on Patreon, you get access to commercial-free episodes. You can get all sorts of merchandise. You can talk to me as frequently as you like. I reply promptly to messages there. And, of course, I thank you in every episode. If you find value in this show... I would love for you to find 5 or $10 a month to help me stay alive to produce it for you. Now I've begged enough. Let's get back to this week's episode. Now, if work hard and be patient seems unreasonable when directed at a business owner, why isn't it unreasonable when it's directed at an employee? The employee is not yet successful enough to deserve what? A living wage so for a certain amount of time they are expected to work for less than they need to earn to have their basic needs met why and for how long I work for myself now I suppose so I have to deal with not having my basic needs met my boss is doing the best he can small businesses are job creators If they fold, it causes unemployment. Unemployment is worse than not having enough money. It means having no money at all. Small business owners can't afford to pay a living wage. Neither, as far as that goes, can giant corporations. That is the argument against paying a living wage. I don't buy it. All right, but do you really think, Fred, that a guy who works at Circle K deserves to much as to make as much as a paramedic? Paramedic earns on average $36,700 a year. That's three times the federal poverty level. They can live on that. Can they? Maybe. Maybe it depends on where. The average cost of a two-bedroom in New York is around $3,789. This means that New Yorkers would need to earn a minimum of $162,386 in order to spend no more than 28% of their annual income on rent. If you head to Brooklyn or Queens, the average rent prices of two bedrooms are slightly less at 3,200 and 2,660 respectively. However, you would still need a substantial income to be able to afford a two-bedroom in these boroughs. The link will be in the show notes. A person who works at Circle K earns about $23,000 a year. That's twice the federal poverty level. They should quit whining, right? But did you notice? Neither the paramedic nor the Circle K employee is making enough to afford a place alone. They're working 40 hours a week, they're working hard, and they can't support themselves effectively. It's not that the Circle K employee is paid too much, it's that the paramedic is paid too little. Both should be paid at least a living wage. If you wanna make the case that the paramedic deserves more I won't argue with you. The paramedic deserves more than a living wage. This worker should be able to have a nicer car, a nicer house, eat better food, or enjoy a better life. But why shouldn't the Circle K employee make a living wage? The answer is that businesses can't afford to pay that much. In deciding between the need for subpar businesses or human beings to, th- to thrive, I'm going with the human beings. And how many jobs do you think those poor people create? We need businesses for that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're mistaken. Jobs are created by a thriving economy. When people, particularly those just barely making it, have money, they spend it. When they spend money, they create jobs for those businesses they patronize. When the wealthy have more money, they put it somewhere else. They don't inject it back into the economy because they don't need to. Poor people do. The more money people have to spend, the more jobs will be needed to help them spend it. But no one owes anyone anything, remember? People can't make it on their own, that's their own fault. I worked my ass off all my life to have what I have, and I'm not paying for someone else to sit on her ass and watch talk shows all day. First off, oh, of course you are. Your congressmen and women have more than 200 days a year to do that. You're also paying for the president to play golf. We've spent in excess of $100 million on that. That's one hell of a lot more than you're paying for welfare for those that can't afford to eat, even though they live above the poverty line. And I have a link to that in the show notes too. The idea that because you had a horrible experience, everyone else should also be required to have it, is just childish and mean. I have friends who were raped and I promise you, not one of them wants anyone else to have to go through that. Did it suck to have to work and sweat and strain? I feel certain it did. I'm sure it was even harder for generations preceding ours. It certainly sucked for me. Why do others have to face that horror? If we can do better, isn't that what we're supposed to do? I would really like it if everyone had a few minutes to enjoy being alive. I would like them to be able to watch a movie, or read a book, or listen to a symphony, or do whatever it is that makes them happy. I would prefer they not need to spend the few hours they're not working, sleeping, so they have enough energy to go to work tomorrow. But what about business owners? <clears throat> a modest proposal. If we really want to help business owners, we could eliminate the need for them to pay a wage at all. Slave labor is much less expensive. We can always find a way to get slaves. We can invade another country, or we can lock up more of our citizens per capita than any other country on Earth. And we can use the convicts we make as slaves. Or we can just decide one group isn't as good as the rest of us, turn on them, and make them all slaves my suggestion would be straight white christian males others may have different ideas or in the alternative we could move toward automation if you're opposed to slavery then they don't have to pay anyone except the manufacturers of the machines they use this is already happening in many places We're becoming our own cashiers. We use ATMs so commonly, we forgot they took the jobs of many, many bank tellers. And talking to a human being on the phone at a business is becoming nearly impossible. There will be more automation, not less. And I don't think that's an unmitigated evil. Machines are eliminating jobs, but they're working smarter not harder. They are removing some of the burdens from human beings. This gives us time to do other things. Technology has always done this. My mother used to have to wash my diapers. She had to hang them on a clothesline. This took a lot more of her time than pampers do. Pampers are probably more sanitary too, although they're arguably worse for the environment. We have dishwashers. We have cell phones. There was a time when sending a message across the world would take weeks or months, if it were possible at all. Now, it takes seconds. Automation makes human lives easier. The need for a living wage as the minimum wage. But, as long as you're going to employ human beings, I submit you need to pay them a living wage as a moral imperative. If you can't do that, you have no right to the employees. It's why I donate my time and talents to people who donate theirs to me so we can create something beautiful for the world. It's wrong to make people take jobs that pay subsistence wages. We can, and we should, have a minimum wage that accomplishes FDR's original purpose. Let's pay workers enough for them to have the basic necessities of life. Let's let them have a life that's worth living. We can afford it. If we can agree on nothing else, I think we should be able to agree that life is agonizingly brief. Few of us get a single century. None of us gets two. Why can't we have a little time to enjoy ourselves? If we're working full time, we shouldn't need to hope we can put enough gas in the car to get to work tomorrow. We shouldn't need to worry about eating this week. It took us roughly 200,000 years To get to the place that we can take care of everyone we can support the entire population now and not just the few any advanced civilization would take care of its population aliens will think us childish if they ever get around to visiting let's try not to embarrass ourselves let's create a civilization that would be the envy of the galaxy. The list of people who helped make this possible is growing all the time. I'm indebted to many people who are alive on this planet at the same time we are. Those people are as follows. Coralie Day with Scott Knight and Edith Keeler. Joe March, Kevin Boyce, Zaref, and Utopia42. And I am thrilled to welcome Sherlock the Mystery Patron back to this group. Laura Engram, Linda M. Crada, Elizabeth Bennett, The Mindwave Podcast, to which you should listen often, Michelle Freeman, Scott Shelby, Virginia Rupert, and Jesse Rogers. Corey, Christopher Hitchens's friend, Natalie Fredrickson, Chuck Curry, Mark Rosema, Christine L. Patterson, and David Miller. Pavel Shabayev, Claude Lansden, and John G. Jereen Elkins, Lori Shea, Cindy Mandel, Corey, again, Zara, Michael J. Clark, Stacy Height, Piper K. Young, Carrie Dedeo, Daniel H., and John Donovan. I'm truly grateful to each and every one of you. And it is with great pride that I now get to add my first official celebrity Patreon supporter, Ms. Sarah Ann Nimitz. Her last album, 2020, which you should add to your collection, seriously, this thing is on the same level as Rumors or Kind of Blue or Asia or the White Album, charted higher than Bob Dylan last month. The times, they are changing Thank you to everyone who is helping to keep me alive. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll come visit the porch again soon. Until then, look for all the episodes on your favorite podcast app. We're on just about all of them now. Take care of yourself and each other.